What would Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? And that's what we're talking about tonight. When I was 13 years old, I became a Christian. And I was, I mean, you wouldn't have known me as a teenager. I was a very sort of timid, shy, kind of uh, reticent teenager. And I remember becoming a Christian. That was a wonderful thing, feeling, experiencing that God loves me and knowing his forgiveness. And I remember sort of joining this Christian union group at school. And they did that really embarrassing thing where they'd sit in a circle and they'd all pray. You know the thing? And they'd pray one after the other out loud. And I thought, well, this is weird. Because that's like really personal and embarrassing to pray out loud. And, and it, it would go around the group. And I could not pray out loud. I was too timid. I was too shy. I was too embarrassed, too self-conscious. And that was a problem because I, I, I wanted to be like that. And I remember in those early years of being a Christian, reading the Bible and reading about the power of the Holy Spirit and how he filled you with boldness and he took away fear. And I remember people teaching about that. And I started to pray to God and say, God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I could live a life free of inhibition? And God didn't answer my prayers immediately, directly, as I prayed them. But there was a time when I was in a, in a gathering, in a worship time, and people started praying for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that was just for effect. Um, and... Somebody just came, without me asking, somebody just came and laid a hand on my shoulder. And I just felt the love and the power and the joy of God filling me in a way that I'd never experienced before. And I tell you, it changed everything. It changed everything. Even my own family commented afterwards. They said, wow, they said, what's happened to you? I, I became confident in telling people about Jesus. I became confident in praying, even in, in, uh, in, in Christian union prayer meetings. See, God changes you when he fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another example from church history. A guy called D.L. Moody. He was a famous American preacher, except he wasn't very famous at his start. When he was 10 years old, he left school. And he started attending a Sunday school at a church. And his Sunday school teacher made this comment about him in later life. He said, he said I'd never met a spiritually darker mind than D.L. Moody. He's, but he worked with him, he taught him. And, but he also made this comment, he said, he said, nobody in our whole church imagined that D.L. Moody would ever have a useful sphere of public service. Now, what happened to D.L. Moody was he, he became a preacher. And he was a bit of a car salesman type. So he would kind of badger people into the kingdom. And, you know, by hook or by crook, he'd preach, and he would see some people saved. But there were these two ladies sitting there in his meetings each time, and they would be praying while he was preaching. And he'd say to them one day, he said, hey, ladies, what are you preaching? What are you praying about? And they said, oh, we're praying for you, Mr. Moody. And he said, well, don't pray for me. Pray for the lost people. They said, oh, no, we're praying for you, Mr. Moody, because you need the power. And he was slightly flummoxed by that. And he went back to them and he said, he said well, could you pray for me? And, I, I'll, and he prayed with them. And it didn't happen for him there and then, but he was walking along Wall Street in New York. And his experience was this. He suddenly felt the power of God come upon him. And he said, he said I had to, he didn't talk about it much in his ministry, but he said, I had to go to a nearby friend's house and ask for a private room. And I sat there for hours experiencing the love of God. 
And he said, I had to ask God to stay his hand because I thought I may, uh, lest I die on the spot from very joy. That was his comment. And he went on from that moment to see hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people respond to the gospel when he preached. God did an amazing thing through him. And he went on to partner with a guy called R.A. Torrey, who, and he'd send this guy ahead of him to churches he was working with. And he said to him, he said, okay, Torrey said, I want you to preach about two things in every church. Tell them that the Bible is the word of God and teach them about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And every time he'd say these two things. And R.A. Torrey, after a while, said, to, he said, Mr. Moody said, I, I do have some other messages I could preach. And D.L. Moody, who was quite a gruff chap, he says, don't worry about that. You just preach the messages I tell you. He said, these are the most important ones. Anyway, so that's, that's me. That's D.L. Moody. But we're asking the question tonight. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Because it's most important that we learn from him. And this is the first thing. I've got seven quick points for you tonight. The first is this, that Jesus would say, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Do you know, Jesus' own ministry was defined by his humanity, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this is Peter quoting, uh, this is Peter, um, sorry, go back to the other one. Uh, This is Peter in Acts chapter 10. And he's talking to a group of onlookers. And he says to them, he says, You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Usually, as Christians, the the angle we take on the life and person of Jesus is this, that he's God. He's God. He's divine. He came from heaven to earth, and we look at his miracles, we look at all the amazing works he did, and we say, well, it points to the fact that he's God, that he's so different to us. And that's one way you can look at that. But Peter, on this occasion, he says something rather different. Read it again. He says, the reason Jesus did the good works he did, and the reason he was able to set oppressed people free, was this, because God was with him. God was with him. So Jesus would say to us tonight, you need God with you. His miracles were attributed not to his divinity, but to God being with him. His own mission in Luke 4, Jesus said, the, Holy Spirit, the Spirit has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It was the work of the Spirit in his life. If you're not a Christian here today, this is how much you need the Holy Spirit. Jesus says you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit. You need the Spirit of God to give you spiritual life. Here's the second thing that Jesus would say about the Holy Spirit. Firstly, you need him. Secondly, he's available. In fact, Jesus would say that he loves to give the gift of the Holy Spirit more than he loves to give any other gift to his children. You read that in Luke chapter 11. It says, if you then, Jesus has taught them, he said, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. He says, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is good news tonight. Jesus says you need him, but he's also saying 
He's available to anybody who asks, and the Father loves to give the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing that Jesus would say. He'd say he's real. He's real. Jesus would vouch for him. You know, my kids, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were asked to do some homework at, at school. It was part of their sort of broader learning uh, to help them be rounded human beings. And they were asked to make a... <laughs> it, it was part, they were asked to make a worry monster so they could post their worries into its mouth. Anytime they were worried about something, they could just write it down and post it into the worry monster, and the worry monster would eat it up. Powerful. I mean, the Bible calls it <laughs> idolatry, but... <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Some people tend to think, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's the invisible friend. (laughs) He's the one, you Christians say he's there, but everyone knows he's not really there because you can't see him, right? Now, Jesus, when he talks to his disciples, when he's on the earth, he wants to reassure them that the Holy Spirit is as real as him. And so he says to them, He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He says, another. Why does he say another? Because he's saying, it's another one like me. So Jesus is saying, if you want to know God, then the Holy Spirit will show you who God is. Just as we wouldn't know who the Father was unless Jesus came into the world to show us. So we don't know if the Father or Jesus unless the Holy Spirit makes him real to us. And the Holy Spirit will make Jesus and the Father real to you. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. He's not the force be with you. In fact, When Jesus talks about him in the verses in John chapter 14, he deliberately keeps introducing the pronoun, personal pronouns, into the thing. So it's a he, he's he, he's personal. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is referred to as thinking and speaking and being grieved. These are all personal things. So tonight, when you get an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit, you're receiving a person. Here's the fourth thing that Jesus would say about the Holy Spirit. He'd say... He's to be experienced. He's experiential. We, uh, when Jesus was baptized, we read this amazing thing that after he came out of the waters, that the Holy Spirit came in bodily form on him like a dove. And he received the affirmation of his Father in heaven. And he said, in fact, everybody got to hear it, not just Jesus, because God wanted to tell the world how much he loved his son and how much he delighted in him in that moment. But the, the father said to the son, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. See, isn't it interesting that Jesus the son needed the affirmation of his father? And you and I as human beings, we need affirmation. We do. I was just thinking, as Jen did that brilliant message last week about, about social media and the danger of living in this world where we're just wanting to be liked and people hit the like button all the time. And, and I thought, what is that all about? And it's this, that we're designed for affirmation as human beings. We, we need that. We need people to say, I love you. But, you know, we go looking for it in the wrong places. The place we're meant to find that affirmation is from a father who loves you. And the Holy Spirit 
is able to affirm you with the Father's love so that you know without a shadow of doubt that I am loved. I'm loved. And that gives you great security in every other sphere of life. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks if you know that God loves you. And the Holy Spirit helps you to know that God loves you. The Bible says in Romans, it says, by him we cry, Abba, Father. We say, Father. We get to experience and know that God is our Father and we're his children by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. You see, when Jesus came and, and was among the disciples and he said, I am the Father one, they came to experience Jesus. Jesus was not just uh, the Lord to them, but he was Father to them and they experienced the fatherhood of God through them. So here's a big fear when Jesus was going to go. They said, oh, we're going to just be left alone. We're going to be abandoned. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of being left alone or abandoned. Well, Jesus said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans because I will send the helper. If you feel alone, if you feel abandoned, the Holy Spirit can help you know the Father's love and pour it out into your hearts. Here's the fifth thing that Jesus would say about the Holy Spirit. He'd say he's here to help. His name is is the helper. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Some translations call him the helper. And that verse comes up again and again. So what does the Holy Spirit help you with? Well, he helps you speak. In Matthew chapter 10, you find Jesus says, when you appear before law courts and you don't know what to say when people are asking you about your faith and asking you about, your, your Jesus, about Jesus, he says, don't worry because he will give you the words to say. Do you ever find yourself in a conversation where you think, well, I don't know the answer to that one. Somebody's asking you some difficult questions about the Christian faith. Well, I don't know the answer to that one. Well, he, the spirit of truth, will give you the words you need. Isn't that good? Here's another thing that the Holy Spirit will give you. He will give you strength in the face of temptation. You know, when Jesus went into the wilderness, following his baptism, and the devil tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. You know that story? And Jesus overcame him. I, I love that, that, uh, those verses. where It says Jesus would quote bits of Deuteronomy, and it was almost like he was saying, take that, Satan. And each time he just had the right verse and the right word to say and Satan left him because he would not give in to sin. But sometimes we miss a very important verse in that whole passage, which is this, that Jesus didn't just overcome by quoting the Bible. It says at the beginning of those verses, it says, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. See, Jesus, the Spirit led Jesus How he overcame temptation was by being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit enabled him to remember scriptures and to to be able to quote them effectively. Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give you strength in the face of temptation. Jesus will give you power. Uh, The Holy Spirit will give you power. In fact, Jesus attributed his miracles to the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 12, he says, I drive out demons by the Spirit of God. And that same spirit is available to you today. Here's another thing he'll help you with, your emotions. I think as those living in Scotland in 2017, I think we need a little help with our emotions. 
don't know about you, but they're all over the place. We get stirred up about things we shouldn't, and we don't feel about the things that we should. And there was a time when Jesus prayed to the Father, and he said, he said, he said the, Luke chapter 10, it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Here's something that Jesus did. He submitted his emotions to the Holy Spirit. And that meant he, those very emotions that can sometimes be so problematic, Jesus harnessed them for good by the Holy Spirit. So his joy was spirit-filled joy. His grief was spirit-filled grief. don't know about you, but in this world, with all, all of its needs, every time I read the news feeds and look around, I just find it overwhelming. And the danger is I get hard-hearted. And this is the prayer I pray regularly to God. I say, God, just soften my heart. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be sensitive and responsive, to feel the things that you feel. And I'm finding that's a prayer that God loves to answer. I feel myself way more soft-hearted than I ever used to be about so many more things because the Holy Spirit gets hold of our emotions. Give your emotions to him tonight. Here's the sixth thing Jesus would say about the Holy Spirit. He's to be recognized and revered. Uh, Jesus said, don't, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He says, people can be forgiven for all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They're guilty of an eternal sin. I remember reading that as a new Christian thinking, oh, I hope I haven't done that. Because <laughs> that would be bad news, wouldn't it? Uh, very briefly, we don't have time to unpack this scripture, but Jesus says that in a context where some Pharisees are watching Jesus do immeasurably good things, casting demons out of people, helping them, healing them. And all these people are saying, wow, God is amazing. Jesus set me free. Everybody is saying good things, except the Pharisees who are pointing and saying, that is evil. And if we're to understand what Jesus is talking about with blaspheming the Holy Spirit, is this, is to look at the very goodness of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus and, and to look at his anointed, spirit-filled life and say, nah, that's not God at work in him. That's Satan at work in him. So for us in that room, if you're a Christian, if you submit yourself to the, to the lordship of Jesus, that's not a, a danger you have. But God does want us to revere and love and recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. Here's the seventh and final thing that Jesus would say, the Holy Spirit is to be confidently received. And he gives us three reasons why we can be totally confident whenever we come to him and ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, why he will be glad to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Here's reason number one. The Father promised the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is what Jesus says. This is this isn't your idea or my idea. This is the Father's idea, to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm a dad. I've got four kids. And any time we go anywhere near a shop, my kids will say to me if they're in the car, they'll say, Dad, can we have some sweets? And every time I'll say, no. 
because I'm a good, kind dad who cares for their teeth. No. I, 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 I'll say to them routinely, no, no, Monday, no, Tuesday, no, Wednesday, no, Thursday, no, Friday, no. Like, just no. But I'll tell you something different. If I go to the shops by myself and they're nowhere near me, I'll go in and I'll maybe see a big jar of sweets or something. I'll think, you know what, the kids might enjoy those. So I'll buy them and I'll take them home. See, when Jesus says it's the promise of the Father, he's saying this, it's not about you. It's not about you asking and and being good enough and trying to persuade God that you should receive the Holy Spirit. It's about God saying, I like doing this. He's the loving father who loves to give the spirit to his children. Here's the second reason why we can be confident that we'll receive. It's this, that Jesus has signed it off. He's done what's necessary. In Acts chapter 2, it says, Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He's talking about Pentecost. This is them explaining it. They say, why is everybody getting filled with the Spirit? And Peter's saying, oh, that's because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's because he's done it. It's because he, this is the evidence. Whenever you see the Holy Spirit being poured out, it's not evidence of spiritual Christians. It's evidence that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and that he's given the Holy Spirit. Here's the third reason why you can be confident to receive the Holy Spirit. It's this, whoever asks will receive Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And this living water will come. What is this living water that Jesus is talking about? Let's go to the next verse. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here's the funny thing. If when Jesus said those words, somebody had come to him, you'd come to him and say, well, that's great, Jesus, I'm thirsty. Can I have the Holy Spirit now, please? He'd have said, "Uh, not now, actually. (laughs) He said, because... Actually, this will only happen when I've been glorified, referring to his death on a cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension to glory. So if you'd asked him then, you'd have gone away empty-handed that day. But what would Jesus say to you now? Now that Jesus is at the right hand of God and has the name higher than any other name, Jesus would say, yes, Yes, receive the Holy Spirit. Ask and it will be given to you. So here's the question. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Let's just complete this jigsaw. If Jesus wants us to have the Holy Spirit, he's done everything necessary for us to have the Holy Spirit. Let's just complete this picture today by talking about how we can receive and the good news is this, that if you're a Christian here today, you already have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. It says nobody can be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. It says it in Romans 8 verse 9. And that's good news because he wants to give us more. So here's some key principles. Firstly, ask him. 
and he's glad to give to you. You have a direct line to God. Here's the second thing. You find that God often in the Bible uses an agent to minister the Holy Spirit. I can't say why that is. I'm not saying that has to be the case. But throughout the book of Acts, you find in Acts chapter 8, verse 18, you find that the Holy Spirit doesn't come on some Christians until the apostles come and lay their hands on them. You find it again in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on some new Christians until some Christians lay their hands on them. You find the apostle Paul, he he needs somebody, a guy called Ananias, to come and lay his hand on him in order that he might receive his sight and go on his way. You you find that God uses this thing called the laying on of hands. And so when we pray for people, we'll often do that. We'll, We'll just put a hand on somebody's shoulder and we'll just pray, God, would you fill them with the Holy Spirit? Here's the third thing. Don't compare your experience to other people. See, when God's doing something that often feels quite emotional, it looks different for different ones of us. And we can inhibit the work of God when we think that what we should be experiencing should look like what somebody else we know is experiencing. God will do something unique in your life. Here's the fourth thing. Keep your eyes off yourself and on Jesus. Here's the fifth thing. Be ready to receive his gifts. He loves to give The gifts of the Spirit, you often see that in the Bible. You often see the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of prophecy, other gifts coming when the Holy Spirit comes. Be ready to receive and for him to speak to you about those things. And here's the final one. Keep coming back for more. In Acts chapter 2, the early church receives an almighty baptism in the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, you find God filling them again. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit. We need him more. And if you've been a Christian a month or a year or 20 years, you need the Holy Spirit more than ever before. So tonight we're going to have an opportunity to receive and to be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask the musicians to come and just join me and to just... We're going to take a moment to pray. So, I'd love us just to stand together. Could we do that? There's nothing we can do to coerce the Holy Spirit, but he loves to come. He loves to come whenever we reach out in faith to him. And Sometimes I... I find that my body language actually helps me to receive the Spirit because as human beings, we're single entities. We're not a mind inside a body or a soul inside a body. We're we're one. And so sometimes I'll just lift my hands like a funnel because what I'm saying is I want everything of this vast God in this tiny human body of mine. And that helps me to receive. You don't have to do that, but it might help you to lift your hands and to ask God to fill you.